This is Coda Radio, episode 446 for December 27th, 2021. Good looking and happy holidays, and welcome into Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic and sometimes cold look at the art and the business of software development and the entire dang world of technology. My name is Chris, and probably from a very warm Florida, it is our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. How are you doing? I think that's like, I got to start right there because that's what everybody wants to know. How are you feeling? I, you know what? I'm feeling much better. The uh, Rona seems to have subsided. You sound good. Yeah, feel better. How about you? I'm not going to name names, okay? But there is a vector of infection that has struck my family once before in the, in the previous year. And that vector presented symptoms again. That vector plays with my kids. And it would seem that they transmitted something to my youngest. And she started developing cold-like symptoms during Christmas Day. <laughs> and I thought, oh, no, are we like, are we all, because if she's got it, and it's as, you know, spreadable as they say it is, we've all got it, is my thinking, right? So I start monitoring her, and I think, and start thinking, gosh, I wish I had some tests. I wish I knew. Although it lasted for two days for her, and she seems fine now. So I'm not sure what it was. I am legit like stranded right now. So I can't get anywhere to get tested. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't feel sick. So I'm sort of involuntarily self-isolating at the moment because a ginormous storm hit me and I was unprepared and the roads became untraversable and all that. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you more about that later in the show. Once I'm not snowed in, I'm going to get some rapid tests and, you know, get that stuff all dialed in. Because I just... I don't know. I had put off picking up the tests. I don't know why. Now they've been on Amazon. I should have gotten one. But uh, so far, nobody else seems to have any symptoms. But we did have the scare. But I'm glad to hear you're doing better. You seem, uh, you know, bright, awake, ready to go. I'm bright. And I also, as we were discussing Lerona, installed WeChat. And I'm running IRC in the terminal in the Tabby terminal recommended by Wes Payne. Oh, man. You Linux guys are always going on about all your Linux stuff. Oh, so obnoxious. <laughs> so we didn't get a lot of feedback because it is the holiday week, which is a good sign. I think it means people are taking time. But Alex R. wrote in asking about our thoughts on GitHub sponsors as a funding method for developers. I'm sure you're familiar with GitHub sponsors. Of course, there's others that probably cross people's mind, like Patreon is a, is a common one or, or others like that. Do you think crowdfunding in this way is actually now a sustainable business? Is that a something like GitHub sponsors? Is that popular enough? I have many mixed feelings on GitHub sponsors, primarily because it's very controlled by Microsoft, right? Sure. So that seems kind of scary, but it's better than nothing. It's better than what we had before. What are, what are your thoughts on it? I think it's probably okay for the casual sort of hobbyist developer who is well-employed, doesn't really need it as a primary source of income, isn't dependent on this for survival. Even if someone could make, say, $100,000 a year from crowdfunding, which I'm very doubtful of, you would become uncomfortably dependent on that one funding source. And if anything has taught me one lesson at all on the internet is you've got to diversify your income streams. This is something I've experienced. You can 
go through a divorce of which the public has absolutely zero details about and people will stop funding just of your company just because they don't like the fact that you got a divorce. This happened to me seven years ago, whatever it was. And, you know, it was like a 20, 30% drop in one day. But additionally, you know, Patreon could always make a policy change. You'll notice like we try to do sponsors, we try to do memberships and try to do a mixture there and then try to do supplemental things like uh, maybe a swag thing every now and then if we could actually get that to turn a profit. You know, I only have really two solid legs to stand on right now. That's why I'm really grateful for the memberships. When you have a business online or a digital job, something, you know, we, it's not even, not even work from home, really. It's just an online digital job where you're producing digital goods and it really can change quick on the internet. Things can just shift. The marketplace can shift. Nothing changes until all of a sudden it does. If you go back nine and a half years into JB history, we were making 30, 40% of our revenue from Amazon affiliates. If you think about all the stuff we review and the stuff we talk about, well, if we just link to that as an Amazon affiliate item, we get the revenue when somebody buys that and when they buy for like another 30 days. So you're going to get the thing you were going to buy anyways. And, and JB makes a small percentage, which, you know, in, in the holidays, which is really when the bulk of that revenue would come in, it was a game changer for us as a business. It, that's what first enabled us to hire an editor, uh, Rekai, way back in the day. God bless them. Some, I don't remember the individual, but they totally had the best intentions at heart. They created a Chrome extension that auto-replaced an Amazon URL for you. It's one you installed. It was branded as a JB thing. And it would auto-change out the URL or it would suggest using the affiliate URL or whatever. And when Amazon discovered that, they insta-banned our account. And then when we pointed out that there were like a dozen of these, in fact, there, were, there was like a business around it, they said, well, okay, it's not about the extension. It's because you implicitly asked people to use your affiliate links. Ugh. Which, you know, back then, people, people tapered off on it because this also happened to Linus Tech Tips. Similar thing. But back then, everybody was asking because it's an easy way to support a, a content creator. If you're going to go buy something on Amazon anyways, if they don't, they don't raise the price. They just give a percentage. And then your purchase is for like a month after that. <laughs> you know, it's like what they look at is they look at it as a lead fee. You, you were a store lead for them. And it was, of course, right before they were going to issue payment. Of course, it was the holiday payment, so it would have been the largest payment of the year. That's when they decided to do the account review, and that's when they shut us down and banned our business. It's been almost 10 years. Isn't that always the way, though? The big platform who has to send you money decides to review your account for compliance right before they're going to send the money. Yep. Isn't that funny how that works? Hmm. By that point, we had invested in a WordPress plugin system that tried to make the URLs look nice and make it clear that they were affiliated, but you know, they were displayed nice and cleanly with a picture of the product. And it was displayed kind of almost like an embedded store, but because it was a WordPress plugin, it wasn't like a hokey embed that Amazon would generate for you that looked like a crappy Amazon page inside your webpage. Oh, sure. It was like this integrated WordPress experience and it was really nice. And we weren't trying to scam anything. We were just trying to make it as frictionless as possible. Stuff that is just commonplace now. But back then, they just shut us down for it. And so, you know, it, that was really early on. It was like, oh, right. I got to diversify. And so when somebody says, could GitHub sponsors be a funding model? I think it could be 
maybe 20% of a funding model, right? But I wouldn't want it. I would not risk any more than 20% of my funding from a platform controlled by Microsoft just because there are things that will come in and out of fashion as time goes on. There will become things that change and not comfortable with that. So Alex, I think it's nice if it's not your primary source or it's nice if it's part of a, uh, of a mix of diversified income streams, but as a sole income stream, I wouldn't recommend a single one of these. That goes for every YouTuber who's surviving on YouTube ads. You know, you agree, right? I, w- I wouldn't recommend like any single source of funding, no matter how benevolent that source appears to be, because things can change on you, right? They could decide they don't like, you know, hell, you could write, this didn't happen to me, but it happens all the time, right? Somebody can make a dumb tweet and then they just like lose their sponsors or their primary sponsor and they're broke. Sure. You got to be adaptive. You know, we got we got a couple of notes in about this uh, young whippersnapper down there in Florida who pivots with the times. Pivoting. Evolves on the fly, it says. You know, I am pretty super fly. <laughs> this is nice. This is really nice. Uh, so a couple of people noticed that Business Observer ran a piece on our very own Mr. Dominic and the Mad Botter and uh, kind of talks about in some of the things, it's a really nice, succinct capturing of a lot of the things we've talked about on the show as you've sort of evolved the business in real time in light of all the trade shows getting shut down. Yeah, no, it was really nice of them uh, to, to write the piece. It basically was, okay, so the world changed, COVID, so we're, you know, local small business, it's Business Observer of Florida, right? And they were asking, so how does that, you know, with the new product launch, with the new Alice out, how have you approached that differently and how have things gone now that you don't have the big in-person trade shows that you rely on. It's interesting because it's good to know that, you know, sometimes we're on here and we're like the crazy old men. It's good to know that other people are seeing the same trends or or feeling the same, uh, I don't know if you call it pain, but certainly like discomfort. One thing that does strike me about this piece, which I think was really great, they probably wouldn't be running this story if you failed to at least survive, right? Like, the, the media loves the narrative of lockdown wrecks business. Business figures out new way to make money. They love finding people who've been clever in that way. Yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of feel like that's a lot of what you've had to do since we've started this show is this didn't work out. This or this thing just changed from underneath me. Rug pulled over here or <laughs> they just launched a direct competitor or <laughs> I just got sued, uh, you know, and have to pivot and change. And so I guess this was sort of another one of those iterations. But this time it wasn't like a, a technology platform that pulled the rug from underneath you or something like that. It was, you know, society had to be shut down. It was like the Matrix, right? There is no rug anymore. You're just falling into COVID hell. Sure seems so. Speaking of the Matrix, you know I wasn't going to let this pass. Mm. Did you see it? No, I, I really would like to, though. I did. Now, I made the mistake. I'm not going to spoil anything. So people who write nasty things about spoilers, relax. I read some reviews that I... And you know I'm a curmudgeon, right? I'm, I expected to go in here and say it's garbage. I actually really liked it. And I even think some of the reviews I read were kind of like weirdly unfair. It's got a lot in there. Like one, I just want to point out that they didn't use any windows on screen, unlike Star Trek Discovery. And I think they deserve credit. Or if they did, I didn't notice, right? It was dolled up enough that I couldn't tell. I'm always looking at the interface. <laughs> I'm always like, is that PowerShell? That's PowerShell. Yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> is that Linux? Is that Plasma they're using? Oh, that's GNOME. <laughs> no, it's pretty good. I mean, it's, you know, it's the Matrix. So if you are a pot smoker, which I am not, but you will definitely want to toke up a bit. And uh, you're, you're, it, you're, it's going to take you on a bit of a trip. Let me ask you this. Do you feel like I need to rewatch the original trilogy to really grok what's going on? I mean, I've seen them. Or uh, can I go in being vaguely familiar with the way the whole thing unfolds? So, okay. I also like the original. Did you rewatch them? I, I routinely watch them because I put them in the background when I'm coding, like if I'm doing a deep session. I mean, this is maybe a work from home thing. So I can't wear noise canceling headphones often when I'm coding now. Because when you know this, when you have young children, you do not want to cancel the noise. You want to know what the hell is going on in the other room. Generally, when it gets quiet, that's when something really bad's happening. Right. If I hear like a ball bouncing <laughs> or my dog being mad and chasing him around, I'm good. Yeah. But if like it's silence, I'm like, all right, we're climbing a cabinet. We're doing something crazy. You need to know. So what I've been doing is putting on old, uh, like I, you've, you've liked some of the tweets. I've been watching the original Star Trek series. Yeah. And the Matrix, like stuff I can put on in the background that, you know, is familiar. So with that said, I did very recently rewatch them. I will say, as long as you remember how the last one ended. Yep. And who was alive and who was dead, then you are fine. I also do this thing where I have TV shows that I've seen enough that they can be background TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. I actually like to work that way. Sometimes my wife thinks I'm crazy, but I... You know, for me, it's like, no, because I know what happens. It's it's enough to hold my attention, but also enough to ignore if I, <laughs> if I need to. You know, like a law and order where it's like, I bet they're going to catch the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's Optimus Gray is right in the chat room. It's a decent 2021 movie. It's a good movie, I think. But if you're going to compare it to the original Matrix movie from 99, you're going to be disappointed. Linode.com slash coder. Go there to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account, and you go there to support the show. Linode is fast and reliable cloud hosting. You got to try it for your next project. It's what I have used for everything I've built in the last couple of years for my business's infrastructure and for my personal infrastructure. I'm out on a surprise extended road trip right now. More about that in a moment. And, you know, one of the things that I have, like, as a little bit of a productivity hack that I've shared once or twice before on the show is... I sync a couple of essential items that I might need, like a few ISO images, a few media files, uh, basic assets for soundboards, stuff like that. I sync that up to a Linode using SyncThing. So I have SyncThing running in the studio, and I have SyncThing running on Linode. And if I need to spin up like a VM or something like that, I can just get that going on my Linode now because it has that ISO image. Or if I want to pull down those files, they're already up there and I can pull them down super quick. It's really nice. It's like it's like my emergency go bag for a server. And with their prices around like $5 for some of their systems or, you know, really anything you look at, you're going to see the price and performance is just really, really in that sweet spot. They're 30 to 50% cheaper than the major hypervisors out there. And they don't have some weird esoteric platform they're trying to lock you into. This is good, tried and true hosting. They've been around for 18 years. They really know how to do this stuff. And then they match it up with the best customer service in the business. 365 phone, email, ticket, whatever you need, tier one support, boom, right there. They're going to get you going. And they're constantly refreshing the hardware, like rolling out AMD Epic CPUs, MVME PCIe storage. They have incredible fast connections to their machines. They have 11 data centers around the world. Their dashboard is the best now. Like when I use Linode's dashboard and then I go over and I, I try some of those those big hyperscalers out there, it's like they're speaking a different language. Like they want to make the computing industry their own thing with their own terminology and, and their own way of doing things. 
that's unique and locks you into their way of thinking and the way that their platform operates. That doesn't seem like a good business move. Go see how fast Linode is. Go see how great Linode is. Go see how great the price is and why we choose it for everything and take advantage of $100 while you support the show. It's quite the opportunity. Linode.com slash coder. Go there to get that $100 for 60 days on a new account and you support the show. Linode.com slash coder. So I've been waiting a few weeks to hear what you think of your new System76 Pangolin. And you wrote up a review at DominicM.com, which we'll have linked in the show notes. A couple of things jumped out at me about it. Number one, it seems to me like it took you a little while to kind of figure out where this machine fits in your workflow. Yeah, so this is probably one of my more, when I review machines, usually they're kind of like, this machine's great, this machine's terrible. This one is a little more nuanced. I've had this for, what, a month now, the Pangolin? Sounds about right. And I went through, like, multiple stages with it. At first, I was like, oh, my God, this thing is plastic. And it's loud. Then I did some updates, and it was less loud, which is nice. But it's still, you know, it's still not silent M1 style. It is my daily driver, though. Then maybe we should get into that. For, for the simple reason of, one, I, I'm, I'm trying to daily drive Linux just to try it. Um, I can say that I have not destroyed my desktop environment installing Steam, so yay. Good job. Mission accomplished. You have demonstrated superior technical ability than num- one of the number one YouTubers in the world. <laughs> if only I had that sweet, sweet sponsors. Uh, anyway. <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, yes, the Pangolin. Uh, so... Basically, I have this problem where many of the front-end clients we're doing for uh, clients are Windows. They're UWP, which <laughs> I know they just are. It, it makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons, and it's going to move over to WinUI. You know, the iMac Pro that you saw in that article, because that interview happened a couple months ago, was ideal because you could run parallels. But I kept having weird problems, especially after upgrading to Monterey and how Apple handles ports, and how hard it is to get basically decent performance in parallels on a goddamn iMac Pro with Xeons. That's not like choppy and slow and terrible. Mm-hmm. So on a whim, I you know I, I knew I wanted to review the Pangolin because I've, I've been excited about the AMD architecture. But I kind of got a souped up one, 64 gigs of RAM, whatever you call the AMD processor. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's in the, it's in the post. It's the AMD Ryzen 7 5700U with Radeon graphics. There you go. It's beautiful in terms of me being able to have VS Code open, doing my Python goodness, and in VMware, I'm sorry, not v- yeah, VMware Workstation, which yes, I paid for, Windows 10, because for reasons that make no sense to me, Microsoft doesn't want you to virtualize Windows 11 because of that stupid TPM requirement. And it works great. Hmm. I mean, it's so much faster. The animations are smoother. Visual Studio is faster. Granted, it has double the memory of the iMac Pro. But, it, you know, it's a mobile you know, processor. So there's, there's give and take there. I mean, it's an awesome workflow. I did have to go through, and I'm going to review Pop! OS 21.10. But you'll notice I don't mention it much in this review. I did have to go through the process of learning the keyboard shortcuts for the window tiling system. Oh, yeah. But once you grok it, it's actually really cool. I'm going to say this every opportunity I get. I think the thing that would make their window tiling thing absolutely freaking perfect, I mean, mwah, perfect, 
is if you could turn it on and off per workspace. So imagine like your first workspace is free float and you got your browser and your notes and your second work. I literally messaged one of them about that. Is it possible to just have like workspace <laughs> yes. three, not have the tiling? Yeah, man. Right. Yeah. Maybe just one. I don't know. So, you know, looking at this, zooming out a little bit, if you were to imagine this as a prototype device, you know, like prototyping Pop! OS, the operating system, prototyping the Ryzen GPU and CPU platform, prototyping the virtualization capabilities. Doesn't it seem like this is a product that has just like a ton of potential? If you took away the plastic case and the kind of mushy keyboard. Right. And, and the just god awful speakers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The really bad speakers. Like, but, 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 or you think of it as prototype hardware for a laptop with like an aluminum chassis and good speakers and a great keyboard that's like a launch keyboard. If you think of this as prototype hardware, does that change your view of it at all? So, yeah. I mean, I could see a version two, probably more like a version three or four of this. That does start to check those, especially with, you know, where AMD's roadmap seems to be going. Fan noise is a, a product of thermals, right? And it's honestly not that bad on this machine unless you hit load. You know, to be clear, it is my daily driver though, right? So I don't, I, like, I don't hate it. I just wish, you know, it's tough. It's also a Clevo unit because System76, uh, their laptops are, are, are they all Clevos or are some of them Sager now? I don't know. Yeah. I, th I don't know if they are all anymore. Okay. It's obvious where they're going, right? With the launch keyboard, with Thaleo, that they're gonna, God, I hope with AMD parts, build a laptop. And that laptop is probably, we're gonna be writing, you know, clickbait articles and doing clickbait shows about is this the MacBook Pro killer like we did a couple of years ago? And it's gonna be great. It strikes me that this kind of machine, the Pangolin sort of fits into what I think people conceptualized they wanted from the ThinkPad about five years ago. And it's just, it's utilitarian. It is a work machine. It will do your workload better than most of them. It's going to run Linux great. And then we've, we've touched on it, but I don't think we've actually really threaded the needle on this. That AMD hardware means every version of Linux you install from now on has built-in drivers. You are never going to have to f with drivers for your video card again. That's huge in Linux. I mean, I've been sitting here having conversations with you where frequently something goes wrong with the GPU and the machine is a bust. Like that's happened a couple of times at least. It's problem solved now. I mentioned that in my review and it doesn't seem like AMD is going to end their commitment to Linux, especially when you think about, you know, AMD is definitely wanting to get into that, your crazy ass, uh, uh, not workstation, but server market where you want high power GPUs for your what I assume is your crypto mining spam. That's a JavaScript uh, malware. Well, and as you're so fond of pointing out, that GPL has ramifications. So that code is in the Linux kernel now. And e even if AMD just decided to peace out and you know just focus on Windows or whatever, which is unlikely with Apple now building their own GPUs. But anyways, the code's GPL. So some clever kernel developers could continue fixing it to make sure it's compatible with kernel updates. So it's in there. <laughs> That's one of the great things about as Linux, kind of like the Borg, the Borg, as they grow and they assimilate more technology, they become one with the collective. Bomber, <laughs> you're getting dangerously close to calling Linux the cancer. You're just like, you're right there. You just You become one with the collective and your graphics will work. It's just, it will take time. <laughs> Are you suggesting that resistance is in fact futile? I think it may be in the case of the GPL and Linux. It just, 
It's a matter of how long and when, not if. You found a flow with this machine, right? Because it sounds like you got it. Maybe some of the original aesthetics put you off a little bit and you kind of put it aside. And then, you know, a job came along. You needed good virtualization. You needed something with modern parts. And the Linux OS is great at some of these jobs. It became, oh, I got a job to do machine. And it sounds like then it just started checking the boxes. I really like your review. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Is there anything you left out of this in the review that you want to put in like the director's commentary in the show? Yeah, you know, I, I should have mentioned the screen and I just didn't. Mm. Uh, it was an oversight. I am actually, now this might be where the old man memes can happen. I think I prefer 1080p now. Yeah. I don't know what's happening to me. It's why maybe I should share my setup, right? How I'm using it. Half the time I use it standing because I have a kitchen island and, you know, my son has a PS5 and that stupid uh, robot game, the Astros, whatever. It's just constantly running. Terrible game. At least it's not Roblox. Let me tell you. He does not know about Roblox and he will never know about it. <laughs> Although I did give in on Minecraft, which I do regret. You know, at least they're building something. Yeah, Minecraft feels less bad. But like right now I'm at my desk and it's in clamshell mode with a 24-inch 1080p ViewSonic monitor that I really wish I had spent another 20 bucks and gotten the one that can like turn and has an adjustable stand. Oh, yeah. Because I, I just can't get this right. But it is a, other than the monitor being a little weird, it is a nice setup. Like I will say, it's definitely more work-oriented than the Mac, where the Mac is like, you can get all your iMessages in a way that's a feature. The only thing that's annoying is I've had to explore Spotify. Because Apple Music in the browser is terrible. And I did not realize the Spotify Linux client was just a kind of side project for some of the devs. It needs some love. It, not only is it a bad, a bad client, you, you know, I, 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 I just often use the web version. I really do. I just, why not? Why even load their crappy Electron app that just loads the web version when I can just open up a tab and pin it? So I often will just do that, even though I still hate running applications in my browser. But it's why I maintain a Spotify subscription. I mean, I have Apple Music because I have the one price, the family gets everything, Apple One plan. And so that includes the Apple Music. Also, going to be this guy. I apologize, everybody. But to my ears, Apple Music sounds better. I think they're using AAC. And I think Spotify is using that damn Og Vorbis which just has never sounded good. I've never liked the damn Vorbis. I've never liked releasing my shows in Vorbis because I can do a one-to-one -one listen and I can hear that the Vorbis sounds worse. And sometimes the Vorbis sounds worse even at larger file sizes while the Linux fanboys are coming at me about not using Vorbis enough. And now the woman... I'm sorry, I'm trapped in the woods. I'm getting worked up. So I want to see if I understand what you're saying. It's that you hate freedom. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just don't like it with my music codecs. No, I just wish it sounded better. And so I pay for it, though, because I, every now and then I want a Spotify client on the Linux desktop. Now, here is something you can do if you're okay with a really minimal version, is there are a couple of Linux Spotify desktop alternatives. Like somebody has custom implemented them. I think one's even written in Rust. Uh, so if you dig around on the internet, you can find a couple of Spotify client alternatives. They're basic but they're often like, you know, GTK. They tie in with desktop integration better and stuff like that. So there is some, some hope, but it, it's, yeah, it's bad. Shortcut.com slash coder. Have you ever really been happy with a project management tool? 
something that was truly built for getting everyone going in the right direction. I mean, most are either so simple that they're hardly worth even using, or they're on the other end. They're too complex. They're so complex, you have to have like a dedicated staff member just prodding people to use the tool. Uh, uh, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> well, Shortcut, formerly known as Clubhouse, is different. It's a lot better. It's project management built specifically for software teams. It's fast. It's intuitive. It's flexible. It's powerful. It's all the things you want to hear about a project management tool. But really, like, look at some of the highlights. They have team-based workflows. Individual teams can use Shortcut's default workflows or customize them to match the way they work. About time. There's entire company-wide goals, too. I love this because you can do it down in the individual workflow, or you can zoom all the way out and see the entire company goals. See how everybody's working on a roadmap. And the tight VCS integrations mean that if you use GitHub or GitLab or Bitbucket or whatever, Shortcut ties directly to them so you can update your progress from the command line. Love that. And they have the best keyboard-friendly interface. If your hands are already on that keyboard, why not use their power bar? It allows you to do virtually anything in the application without having to touch that mouse. <laughs> and I think iterations planning is brilliant. You can set weekly priorities and then let Shortcut run the schedule for you. And you'll have a company burndown charts and all the reporting you like. So go try it for yourself at shortcut.com slash coder. Again, that's shortcut.com slash coder. It's formerly known as Clubhouse, but now it's Shortcut. Go try it out because you shouldn't have to project manage your project management. Shortcut.com slash coder. All right, I mentioned I was, I was uh, stranded in the woods, and I wasn't kidding. I really am probably the biggest idiot that you know. Don't do what I do. Do you remember how it was only just a few months ago that I was sitting in this very spot and it was 120 degrees and I was getting heat stroke doing the show. Do you remember that? Remember how that was just like two, two, three months ago? I am very familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now here we are and I am doing this show where it is currently about 10 degrees Fahrenheit. Jesus Christ. I have been trapped here since last Wednesday where I arrived early for Christmas because the weather said... There was about an 80% chance of snow. And I thought, wouldn't it be fun to go out to one of our favorite spots out in the woods with the kids? We'll have a family Christmas out in the woods. We'll get a little bit of a white Christmas. And then we, you know, we bring them back to their mom on Christmas morning. And we did, in fact, get snow. It was a little bit much, but it wasn't bad. We managed to get out and back into the RV before it got really bad. But it was starting to get bad. In fact, I almost had a head-on collision with somebody that was just out of control on the freeway. But then we got the news christmas that we were in for a severe winter storm Ugh. with lows of five degrees fahrenheit and it doesn't get above freezing for another four days it's going to be between a high of like 20 25 and a low of five here and there was a big huge dumping of snow that hit the entire pacific northwest and then from you know oregon california all the way up of course and that melted a little bit and then the temperatures dropped and created these massive icy road conditions. So we're, we're way off the beaten path. We're way down a road, which is down a road. And then we're down a gravel road, which goes down a farm road. Like we're, we're no, there's no snow plows out here. We're way, way out. And we're kind of just stuck here because the roads are so bad. I'm not really going to take my home on the road. I'm going to go check it again this afternoon. It's one thing to drive your car in the snow and the ice, but it's a whole other thing to drive your whole entire home. Of course, our water froze on Sunday, so we did bring some emergency waters. 
we have drinking water and toilet flushing water, but it's only going to last a couple of days. Jesus Christ. My main job has been, and why I haven't been able to sleep very well during any of this is I have to keep my batteries from freezing because once the lithium ion batteries that I have, these Battleborn batteries, once they go below 25 degrees Fahrenheit, and remember it's five degrees outside. So once they go below 25 degrees Fahrenheit, they can no longer take a charge. And so I don't really have out here in the woods a lot of ways to generate heat other than running the hell out of the system. So right before I started the show, I had the system running with a big load and I got it up to 11 degrees Celsius in the power bay. I know I'm switching from Fahrenheit to Celsius, but this is how the system reports it. For the about 35, 40 minutes that I've been live and recording with you, it's down to six degrees Celsius. It drops so fast. And so I have to catch it before it gets too low and start ramming the batteries with power so that way they generate heat. And then once I've charged the batteries up, I have to run the system. Like I have to, I have to just dump power into heaters and everything I can to run the inverter. So the inverter runs at near max capacity. So then just the exhausting of the inverter heats up the battery bay. And then once I've depleted enough batteries that I don't feel comfortable going any lower, I fire the generator back up and I slam the system with power again. And the charging of the system generates heat. And it's the only way I can keep my power system above freezing out here. And in the meantime, of course, I'm also like every now and then trying to just send a little bit of power into my water heater so that way my water heater doesn't burst. But the rest of the entire water system has been frozen for days now. I'm amazed that the Starlink is even working because I didn't pick this spot to broadcast. I, you know, normally there's a spot out here in the woods that has a nice clear shot of the sky. And I just picked a spot that was really nice to park and beautiful uh, for the aesthetics. And I didn't pick it for broadcasting because I didn't plan to be out here for this long. But like, you know, a professional, I brought my emergency broadcast kit. So, I, I mean, I, I have my stuff, but. Well, you are a pro, I mean. <laughs> right. But yeah, it didn't bring enough propane. So I'm perilously close to running out of propane, which game over if that happens. If I run out of gas, thankfully I did fill up my tank. But if I run out of gas, I can't run the generator. Game over if that happens. And if I lose, if I run out of gas, I can't keep the power system heated. And of course, I'm using gas to run the generator to keep the power system heated. And it, it's not even, it's not even supposed to warm up enough to melt the roads for another three days. And I had the kids out here for Christmas. So they used a ton of water and they used up our tanks. And so it's like, oh, and then it's snowing. So my panels keep getting covered, every, you know, a couple of times a day. So I'm getting no solar. And of course, it's just, just, just during the solstice, just after the solstice. So like the daylight is the absolute shortest. The sun is super low on the horizon. I'm getting like no solar at all. It's just total worst case freaking scenario. And I can't believe I'm in this, I'm in the exact bizarro situation I was in in Tucson where it was so hot I could smell the glues loosening up in the RV, right? Like it was so hot. I was cooking our food got cooked in our cupboards. It was so hot, right? And now I'm in the opposite situation where I've got ice on my door and on my walls because it's so cold here. It, I just, I'm, we have swung more than a hundred degree difference. We swung like 115 degree difference and I can't even believe I've done it to myself. And so now I'm out here trying to keep the rig alive while trying to do my job and trying to do the podcast. And uh, it's nuts. That's my week. That's a lot. Yeah. And I'm out of propane, I'm getting low on gas, and I'm getting low on water. I mean, it's getting to the point where I'm going to have to hit the road soon. 
So how are you going to solve that? Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to head out. We do have our other car. So I'm going to head out uh, here in a little bit after we get done. And, you know, try to get a sense of what the road conditions are like. I could always buy another propane tank if I can get out that far. But we are 45 minutes from like a gas station. And then we're probably an hour and a half from like another place we could park for the evening and have power. So it's quite a drive in these conditions. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I do to myself. Oh, I wish you luck. It's my own fault. You know, I did this to myself. Oh, I wanted a white Christmas. Oh. Well, I sure got it. Ugh. It's beginning to look a lot like a disaster for Christmas. It, it definitely does. How does this RV survive this? How does this equipment survive these extremes like this? That's the problem I've created for myself. Because, you know, taking care of business at the end of the year, that's not, that's not enough stress. <laughs> and, of course, I was going to be down at the studio this week because, you know, it's kind of a slow business week. So I could be down there doing, like, uh, the server upgrades I need to do. So, you know, thanks to our members. You are our, our warm blanket. I got to see if I can survive, but I appreciate our members at coderqa.co. You've been supporting the show. You get the ad-free feed now. You get the coderlies when they come out. You get the, you know, also the warm feelings of supporting us. And if you want to, you know, get a couple of other shows, you might consider the network membership. It's a cost of two and you get access to everything, including Linux Action News ad-free, which is only available in the network feed. And that's at jupiter.party. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you'd like to send people this week? Uh, just go to dominicm.com and you can go ahead and read uh, my Pangolin review. Yep. We'll have a link in the old show notes over there. You can uh, follow the network. That's at Jupiter Signal. And the podcast is at Coder Radio Show. If you do that Twitter thing. I'm there too, at Chris LES. And our Telegram group is jupiterbroadcasting.com slash telegram. We'd love to have you go there. And links to everything we talked about today, well, coder.show slash 446. That's where you'll find all that. Our contact page is over there, too. Our inbox is empty. We need your feedback. If I survive, I want to come back to an inbox full of Coder Radio feedback. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. See you right back here next week. <laughs>